Welcome to episode 5 of Footnotes. I am your host, Annie Chen, and today we will be discussing abortion laws in New South Wales. In August this year, a bill to remove abortion from New South Wales Crimes Act and regulate it as a medical procedure was introduced into the lower house. Following significant campaigning by both ends of the political spectrum, it was finally assented to on the 2nd of October as the Abortion Law Reform Act 2019. The changes have been met with huge controversy, raising debates about women's rights and the interaction between law and morality. In this episode of Footnotes, we want to delve into the Act and understand how it came about, what it means to women in New South Wales, and, now that it's law, what comes next? So what were New South Wales abortion laws like prior to the change? Up until recently, New South Wales' position on abortion was encoded in the Crimes Act 1900. Women, doctors and anyone who assisted in supplying or administering drugs with the intention to procure miscarriage could be punished with 10 years' imprisonment. It's interesting to note its place in the Crimes Act. Though abortion is not necessarily viewed as being on the same standing as other more malicious crimes, labelling the procedure as criminal leads to the creation of a negative stigma surrounding the process. Women are less likely to see abortion as an option or may attempt to go about procuring an abortion in less legitimate and potentially dangerous ways. However, since the 1971 ruling in R. Ward, exceptions can be made if a doctor has an honest and reasonable belief that due to any economic, social or medical ground or reason, the abortion was necessary to protect the woman from serious danger to her life or physical or mental health during the pregnancy. CES and Superclinics, a 1995 case, extended this to include a woman's mental health after the pregnancy. Whether or not an exception can be granted is decided by the courts on a case-by-case basis. But the Law Society of New South Wales and academics have criticised this as creating uncertainty and is ultimately a process that invites prosecution. There's also evidence to suggest that the previous laws governing abortion did not accurately reflect societal attitudes towards abortion. To get some expert insight into New South Wales abortion laws, we spoke with Associate Professor Kirsten Black, who is the Joint Head of the Discipline of Obstetrics, Gynaecology and Neonatology here at the University of Sydney. Last year, Professor Black published a study in the Australian and New Zealand Journal of Public Health, which found that abortion laws were out of step with community expectations. So the study found that 76% of respondents were unaware that abortion in New South Wales is a criminal offence, and 73% thought that abortion should be decriminalised and regulated as as a healthcare service. Interestingly, um, the support for decriminalisation was consistent across genders, age groups, levels of education, residents of metropolitan and regional rural areas. In light of these community opinions, the Reproductive Healthcare Bill 2019 was first proposed by Alex Greenwich, an independent MP for Sydney in August this year. In his second reading speech, 
Greenwich said, Our laws are out of step. They do not reflect clinical practice or any need for safeguards or community values. So what changes will be made under the new law? The Act, which has since been renamed the Abortion Law Reform Act 2019, is based on Queensland and Victorian laws. These states have had the equivalent laws in place since December 2018 and October 2008, respectively. The Abortion Law Reform Act had 15 MPs as co-sponsors, the most ever in New South Wales. In total, MPs debated more than 30 amendments to the initial bill. Essentially, the law will be changed to remove abortion offences from the Crimes Act, but it remains an offence for someone other than the woman and a doctor to perform a termination or to assist in a termination not performed by a doctor. Terminations can be performed to up to 22 weeks by a medical practitioner, as long as the woman gives informed consent. After 22 weeks, abortions can be carried out by a specialist medical practitioner with the approval of another doctor, including at least one specialist obstetrician or gynecologist and only at public hospitals or approved facilities. They need to consider A. All relevant medical circumstances and B. The person's current and future physical, psychological and social circumstances and C. The professional standards and guidelines that apply to the specialists regarding the termination procedure. The new law is a little bit more complicated that the termination must be done by a specialist medical practitioner. So currently in Australia, much of um, abortion services are run by GPs or doctors without any formal qualification in women's health necessarily. And this will mean that at least after 22 weeks that specialist obstetricians um, and gynaecologists uh, or GP obstetricians or other medical practitioners that have been credentialed in performing terminations will be able to um, perform these. So where did this 22-week time frame come from? Yeah, I mean, the reason to choose 22 weeks as the cutoff is um, because in pregnancy, women get screening tests. So they get a screening test at 13 weeks. At that stage, many abnormalities will be picked up but the baby's still very small at that fetus is very small at that stage so not all will be detected and the heart for example is no bigger than a fingernail so it's very hard to to detect you know abnormalities the next scan that is done is at is the fetal morphology scan which is done at 19 to 21 weeks so the 22 week limit allows for those pregnancies where an abnormality is detected at that later scan where it's you know a severe abnormality or patients are counseled uh, about the fetal abnormality and make a decision for termination you know 99% of abortions are going to be occurring before 20 weeks There are also provisions for carrying out abortions to save the life of the mother or fetus at any stage, as well as provisions for doctors who conscientiously object to performing abortions, 
obligating them to refer the woman to someone who doesn't object and requires doctors to offer counselling if they think it will be beneficial to the woman. Many of these changes are the product of amendments made to the original bill. Several religious leaders and conservative politicians were quick to condemn the first draft put forward by Alex Greenwich. For example, the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney said it would allow abortion right until birth, which is untrue. The bill was also labelled effectively infanticide on demand by Tony Abbott and The Slavery Debate of Our Time by Barnaby Joyce. A licence for sex selection abortions. It's a licence for late-term abortions. It's effectively infanticide on demand. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the slavery debate of our time. Conversely, the medical community was immensely supportive of the proposed changes. It's been overwhelmingly supportive. The Australian Medical Association came out in support of the changes. The, my own college, the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists has supported the Abortion Law Reform Act and the family planning organisations, particularly in New South Wales, have been a very strong voice in support. So, how have society's views on abortion changed over time? The 2003 Australian Survey of Social Attitudes found that 81% of those surveyed believed a woman should have the right to choose whether or not she has an abortion. On average, only around 4% of the Australian community are opposed to abortion in every circumstance, with the opposition being concentrated in religious groups and those aged 75 and over. Women's Health Victoria recently analysed over 25 years of Australian election data to ascertain the effect on voting patterns when candidates' views on abortion were known to the electorate. They found that, despite anti-choice activity, the last 25 years and more demonstrate that pro-choice candidates do not suffer at the ballot box. In fact, their stance on a woman's right to choose is rewarded by the electorate. And since 2018, it has been illegal to protest within 150 metres of an abortion clinic. Yeah, I mean, I know that I've got colleagues working at one particular private abortion clinic and they said it's had a huge impact. So prior to that law, protesters would be outside this clinic every day and women would frequently walk in for their appointment in tears, very stressed, very distressed. This no longer happens, the protesters just aren't there. So it's been a really positive change for women seeking abortion. 2019 witnessed the rise of the hashtag Arrest Us movement in New South Wales in support of the decriminalisation bill. Women who have undergone technically illegal abortions use the Arrest Us hashtag, daring authorities to arrest them. The campaign was started on Twitter and Facebook by Emily Mayo, who herself had undergone an abortion in 2005. The hashtag Arrest Us campaign was inspired by a similar mass outing in 1979 that saw 80 women take out a newspaper ad to highlight the issue. So we pose the question, why are abortion laws important? Essentially, the answer all boils down to the issue of autonomy. 
Reproductive rights can be understood within the lens of human rights, or more specifically, women's rights. Reproductive rights empower women. It gives women a choice over their own bodies and gives them the autonomy to control their own reproduction. And as Alex Greenwich puts it, abortion laws will ensure that women in New South Wales finally have the right to choose without stigma and risk of a potential criminal conviction. All in all, effective abortion laws are essential to placing women at the centre of their reproductive lives and to allow them to make a choice that is both safe and informed. So with the passing of the Abortion Law Reform Act in New South Wales, what's next? Well, I think for some it's still um, an uncomfortable area and I think that women don't go in to have, don't have an abortion um, you know, lightly. But I think that this will make a huge, you know, the publicity around this will make a huge impact on practitioners feeling comfortable working in this area and hopefully will increase access. Despite this, Professor Black also recognises that because of its inclusion in the criminal code, abortion was considerably marginalised as an area of medical practice. As such, she hopes that with the passing of the new law, abortion will progressively become more mainstream. And one of my desires, for example, is that we are able to increase access to abortion in public hospitals. And that will do two things. Obviously, um, improve equity of access, which currently doesn't really exist in New South Wales because most of the services are privatised and women have to pay up to $400. But also in terms of training. So in order to provide this training, we need the public hospitals to start to develop services in public abortion care. However, Professor Black thinks the law sometimes encroaches into a space normally reserved for medical colleges and the profession. I guess it made, you know, the politicians feel more comfortable about passing the law. It's like you don't write into law how lawyers should behave. That's, that's your society that should monitor your behaviour and act if, if, it, if something is, appears unprofessional. You know, there are some aspects of this law, I think, which are trying to really kind of controlling medical practitioner behaviour. The other example here is this, this issue of consent. You know, when someone presents to have um, their appendix taken out or they want a vasectomy or whatever other medical procedure, that is the issue that you have to get informed consent is not written into the law. That's part of good medical practice, that you take an informed consent before you do a, a procedure on someone. So that's a good example of how the law is, you know, trying to set guidelines for good medical practice which are already in place. Mm -hmm. But I, I think, you know, overall they're issues we can live with and they won't adversely affect care. So has the introduction of abortion laws in other jurisdictions in Australia led to an increase in terminations? In Victoria, there was no significant increase in the number of post-20-week abortions since decriminalisation. In 2017, the latest data available, there were 324 post-20-week abortions, which, when compared to 2008, represents a 1% decrease. 
and healthcare providers interviewed as part of a study in 2017 agreed that access to abortions had not increased as a result of the law reform. Now that the abortion law has been passed in New South Wales, how else should the law change to protect women's health? Professor Black shares her thoughts. Yeah, I think it, you know, I think it's a very good start. I think better access in the public service, as I said, would improve women's reproductive choice because at the moment it's many many women and this is anecdotal, but I do believe that quite a number of women continue pregnancies because they don't have access easily. It's too costly to get an access to easy access to abortion or their the diagnosis happens of the pregnancy occurs very late. So I think in that respect, it could be better. There's been law change in Queensland and that has resulted in some shift to public provision. Since abortion law reform occurred in Queensland, there has been an increase in public hospitals seeing it as part of their responsibility in starting up services. So I'm hoping that that will happen in New South Wales. Professor Black also points out that threats to reproductive rights still exist, particularly with a proposed law known as Zoe's Law. Zoe's Law came out of a case where a pregnant woman and her fetus died in a car crash. It's been tabled several times by conservative politicians and would prohibit conduct which causes serious harm to or destruction of a child in utero. Critics say it would effectively give the fetus personhood and put abortion in New South Wales at risk. The problem with giving the fetus personhood is huge. And in the States this has happened, in the, where it's happened in the States, women can actually be trialled for causing damage to their own fetus, for example, if they take drugs in pregnancy, uh, if they you know, drink alcohol in pregnancy and the baby ends up being damaged, they can actually be taken to court and thrown into jail for causing harm to their unborn child. Thank you for tuning into episode 5 of Footnotes. We hope we have shed light on the current stance of abortion laws in New South Wales and the impact of the passing of the Abortion Law Reform Act. Special thanks to Professor Kirsten Black. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe for more content. And until next time, this has been Footnotes.